We're back on the air. Margaret Tharp and David Lendrum from Landscape Alaska. This is our call-in radio show reaching all corners of Southeast Alaska. And we're looking forward to seeing you, talking to you, having communications, and eventually sending you some lovely, lovely nursery-grown plants. We're going to be operating a online store very shortly. We're opening our new business venture. It's a cat- catalog. It'll be a catalog. You'll be able to look and see our stock and uh, and check and see if we've got what you want right now, and then we can package it up and send it to you. It'll be such fun. Connor's been working on this for a year, and we're very, very excited about it. So uh, keep your eye on the Landscape Alaska website particularly for places that don't have a nice nursery connection right in their own town. It's solstice time. Margaret and I were driving to uh, KINY Radio this morning, talking about just how beautiful it looks. How beautiful it is. You know, how many different shades of green are there? There's sure a lot out there. Along our driveway, you know, with the Menzesia, which is a blue-green gray uh-huh. and the new growth on the spruce trees which is lime green and also dark green and then there's and the hemlock green and the hemlock green they just all look so beautiful yep it absolutely does this is a call-in show 907-586-1800 gets you on the air and uh, lets you contribute and participate so one of the things i love is uh it's just coming to an end right now, but the bank above Aurora Harbor where the Aruncus oh, and yes. the Dames Rocket blooms all at the same time. Isn't I mean, it's that, like you, you couldn't plant anything that looked prettier than that. Nope, it just looks lovely. And it looks like it's pouring down like molten color. It is. It's beautiful. And it looks like, it really, it does. It looks like somebody took some kind of mixture of colors and just let it lay down over the hillside and roll down toward the water. I don't know what's going on today with the eagles, but man... They are really filling the air. Looks like courtship to me, but... And squealing in delight. What do I know? (laughs) Well, it wasn't so long ago, babe. (laughs) No, but uh, they're fighting and chasing each other. And if you're near the fish hatchery, the action's all up in the big trees on both sides of the highway. It's really amazing to watch and and how quickly the the white flash shows and then it vanishes and then shows and vanishes as they're rolling and tumbling in the air yeah claws up toward each other claws down above each other it's really amazing pretty spectacular and miss kim's coming into bloom we drove into town it's a little today. early this year well look, don't you think it's usually it's the fourth of july it's usually the fourth of july i mean of course everywhere's got its own microclimate but uh-huh. yeah. the ones in our yard that are for on sale today <laughs> are just sending their bloom stocks up landscape alaska is having a solstice sale which we do every summer and uh, one of the featured plants is going to be those miss kim lilacs that make that beautiful hedge around the parking lot at the base of the bridge Miss Kim Lilac is a Canadian cultured shrub and bred for the high prairie climates, and it does really, really well here. And doesn't its mother plant come from Korea? Ultimately, yes, but but. Uh, I mean, it's been hybridized, but it's been still. hybridized, and 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 this is a dwarf form. The mother plant will get to be twelve or fifteen feet tall. Mm-hmm. I've never so, seen one that big, but, no, I, be- but I believe you. No, I don't mean mother plant. The original species, right? Uh-huh. But this hybrid will get about six, six feet. feet. Six feet yeah. wide and f- six feet tall. And the fall color on them is another thing often overlooked. They turn a really, really dark burgundy color. Yeah, they are. They're really beautiful in the fall garden. 
Uh-huh. And in the university landscape, I, ha- I have them as kind of sentinels spaced all out through it. So when they, they turn fall color, it has these lines of sight that turn purple. On and off well, to, to and uh, plus, you've married them with the spireas, the glow oh, girls. Glow girls. The spireas. colors that they change, you know, they're a real compliment. That's mm-hmm. it. It's another colorful point in the year. There's the Fall. early spring stuff. Right. There's the it, full spring is bloom really time. about what's alive. Yeah. Right. What's <laughs> alive, <laughs> particularly this year. Right. You know, I can't count the number of people who came in and say they, their twenty-year-old uh, lilac died this winter, or their. They're uh, the 30-year-old rhododendron. Or the large trees, yeah. How horrible that is. That's on us. We hate it. Oh, well. Anyway, on the side of the GCI building is one of those Miss Kim shrubs in full bloom now. That lavender purple color. It's not the deep purple of the old-fashioned French lilacs, but it's a really fragrant, beautiful shrub. And uh, on the other end... It's also aphid season. and It's every kind of bug there is in the world season. It is. That's right. Because the, the days are so long and the weather is so, so kind. And there's so much to eat. Uh-huh. I read <laughs> that a single female aphid could cover the United States two feet deep in aphids in well, a the- single year if they didn't get eaten. But they're like herring of the plant world. You know, they're... Uh, Birds eat them. Everything eats them. And it goes right on up the food chain. Everything that eats them eats something else. Something else eats that. goes right on up the line. So what What uh, the modern anti-spray, uh, no-pesticide world is doing is going back to former practices and raising insects that eat aphids. Perfect. Yep. I like it. And, and they're I, called lace wing. The one that we have access to are green lace wings. And they, uh, you, we get them as uh, little cards that have lace wing eggs stuck to them. And you put it on your plant, hang it on the branch of the plant. And as the eggs hatch out over a two week period, these little tiny insect eating insects come out of them. And they look like, like little short tailed alligators with great big aphid-eating jaws. I could barely see them, but with a hand well, Let's get a magnifying see. glass. Yeah, I, I did. I put them under a magnifying glass <laughs> and looked at them. They're so uh, fearsome looking. And they say that a single one of these... I, I have a friend who does this business, so I hear a lot about it. But a single one of them will eat up to 300 aphids before it changes into an adult stage. Mm. Woohoo! So... Uh, we sold all we had this week. More are coming next week. And they're little little cards. You just hang on your plant. And uh, the aphids, uh, the uh, lace wings hatch out and start crawling around and eating. Do they only eat aphids or do they No, eat they eat mealy bugs and they eat... Uh, other kinds of insects. Fungus gnats. Right. right. All right. that kind of stuff. They are... Uh, uh, a multi-purpose. So could you use them in interior house plants that oh, have yes. fungus? That'd Not be, fungus, but, fungus but insects. Gnats. Yeah. Yeah, have the fungus gnats, yes, and have the, the mealy bugs and have the spider mites and have those little web spiders, you know, well, that's all really, that. Well, that's great. Uh-huh. And no pesticide and well, no well, aroma. You know that that's what, where I'm at. I know that's where you're at, dear. Absolutely. <laughs> I have been taught. So this so is a long, call-in show. show. Okay. Give people a chance to call in. Dave. Shall I be quiet until somebody calls? <laughs> no. I don't think so. It's the phone number is one nine zero seven 
586-1800. Call me from Angoon. Okay, and as you're walking around in your yard right now, almost everybody has, in their neighborhood, has Sitka roses. And they're getting ready to bloom. All over town, they're getting ready to bloom. My Blanc de Corbet is starting to bloom. Yeah. So... Sitka rose is originally a Japanese plant and was brought into Alaska in the territorial era. But at the same time, oh, wow. Good morning. Hello? Hello, good morning. Yes, um, have you said before you can cut back your bleeding heart and globe plant and they'll bloom again? I have. Want me to tell you more about it? Yes, thanks. Okay, so... Do, do the the globe plants do? I, know I don't, the I don't bleed, know about the globe I don't know plants. about globe plants, but the bleeding hearts for sure. The bleeding hearts for sure. I've never had, a, you know, every globe plant I've ever had, I sold. So <laughs> <laughs> what can I say? I don't, I don't know about that one. I know you can cut it back and it'll regrow. I don't know if it would bloom, but since it is a ranunculus, you would think it certainly would. But you need to feed them. Yes, well, that's part of the deal. Part of the bargain. You cut off their old foliage, give them some fertilizer, give them some water. They come back into growth, and they're going to have new flowers on them. This is particularly true of the bleeding hearts. You should be able to get three bloom flushes a year out of bleeding hearts here. And delphiniums, you know. The same the, thing is true with delphinium. And the bleeding hearts, in the, you know, it has this reputation for being a shade lover. But really and truly, you can take hot sun really well as long as you stay on top of the watering. That's right. And it looks like it should just blow over and be uh, dead with somebody's stare at it. But it's really, it's a persistent tough thing. Yeah. It's, and, it's very prolific. And uh, it, it starts to get kind of yellow and looks worn out. That's your clue. Go out there and take your pruning shears and cut it down to uh, two inches. And uh, give it some manure, a little, little uh, fertilizer. Make sure it's well watered. And, well, this uh, is where the uh, liquid feed comes in really handily, too. It does, doesn't it? Uh-huh. Because you don't pour it right around the trunk. Remember that with all these plants, the roots are stretching out, and you want to get to the outer edge of the root system in order for them to absorb anything, other than rhododendrons. That's different with rhododendrons. But with the Sitka rose sprouts... Someone was looking at them yesterday and talked about how they wanted to get more out of their roses. And could they just uh, dig up those sprouts and cut them free from the parent plant? And I said, well, of course you can. You know, they're, they're, uh, that's their intention is it's to spread out and, and uh, make new plants like that. So you can dig between the new sprout and the parent plant and cut the root system there. But what would be the smartest thing to do would be to cut it and leave it in place for a month. And then you can dig it up and it would be, would be already a separate plant and uh, it wouldn't even wilt. Ready, ready to transplant. Ready to transplant. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the wild Sitka roses, the more natural form, are the spreading ones. But there are plenty of hybrid Sitka roses, Rosa rugosas, that do not spread. Hansa. Hansa is, Hansa is one of my favorites. Uh-huh, a real favorite. And that's the dark red one with the cinnamon flavor. And we have another one that uh, this is the first time we've tried it. And it's more of a maroon colored Hansa. Still a double flower. Still very it's fragrant. Dark. Yeah. We're looking at that now. Trying it out this year and see how they do. 
walking around in the yard, I was looking at the hydrangea flowers that are starting to show. They're really budding up. They're really, really budding up. We have some really nice one-gallon hydrangeas, which are a great buy because in a couple of years, they'll be great big plants, and uh, it's very economical to buy them now. And these hydrangeas are not the round-headed kind that, that change colors when you change the soil chemistry. These are the kind that have long, pointy flowers, kind of like a lilac. And they are uh, cone-shaped, and they have a kind of drooping pattern to them, but they really bloom for a long time. They bloom from the end of July all the way till it freezes. So how are those Japanese tree lilacs? They get big. They are know? big now. Yes, and, and the Japanese tree lilac is the, the third arm of the triumvirate, and they bloom in August, and the, there's some really big ones in the governor's house. Yes. And the ones you planted and around the are, Capitol building. Those are columnar. Those are columnar form, and so are the ones you planted around the Capitol building. Right. Because there's not a very wide space. It's between the windows. Uh-huh, and so there's, they're tall spires, and they make an incredible fragrance in August. So... The ones that we have in our yard now that are tall are not columnar. Are not. They're going to. They're going to be. Spreading. They're going to be like uh, Chris and Jamie's big, right. like that big with spreading branches. Boy, they're really something. And the, and the flowers stand up like great big foxtail candles on them. Yeah. So uh, Connor, our son, is at the sale at the Jack this morning, and they're having uh, another outdoor market. I know he'll be the only person at the outdoor market that'll have a pink dogwood standing in front of his stall. It's pretty exciting. It is. Last year, Margaret and I were driving along in Douglas, and she pulled the car over to the side of the street and said, look at that! And there was a cream-colored Kusa dogwood in full bloom, and it was eight feet tall. South-facing wall, under an eave, little on the dry side, Really, really happy. Really happy. And I, I had no idea that we could have them here. But once we saw that, we thought, well, if you can have the cream-colored one... Let's try the pink one. Let's try the pink one. So we got a couple of them. And they've been... The flowers have been forming over the past few weeks, but they're turning pink now. Just starting. Yeah. It's going to take a couple of months for that tree to flower. To be in full color? I think so, too. You know, and the one in Douglas, once it starts blooming, blooms for at least two months. How cool. It is really cool. So go look at the one that, that Connor's got at the Jack or come out to our Solstice Sale and look at the one we're showing off there. It's really, really pretty. In our Solstice Sale, we're featuring some, some of our very favorite things. The Japanese use, we're going to take 10% off no matter what size. And with the Miss Kim Lilacs, they're $10 off. And our <coughs> excuse me. And what remains of our pansy crop which are many different colors still. There's a whole lot of pansies. They're going to be $3.50. So if you want some pansies that look just beautiful, and the bleeding hearts we were talking about, they'll be on sale. And we also brought in this season a whole bunch of roses. And we have bee balm. Oh, is the bee balm on sale too? Sounds no, great. it's not on sale, but it's there and you can buy it. <laughs> uh -huh. Most years it's really hard to find. Uh -huh. Well, it's pretty hard to find this year because we've got it. You know, it's we have a pink variety and a, a purple variety. Now, I heard through the grapevine of the uh, 
the landscape people that Honda is going to quit making lawnmowers, going to quit making their entire line of outdoor equipment. Oh, they're going to go to battery, aren't they? They're going to they're going to batteries, uh-huh. just like Still and and Milwaukee and all those guys. They're going to the battery stuff, but for so many purposes, particularly if you've got a large property, the gas machine is a really good buy. And I know that Tyler, having heard this, ordered some, and they have them in stock now. And we're getting one. Ah, we just bought one. That's right. <laughs> the last ones that are going to be made. And so we decided we needed another one. We run Honda mowers for our landscape crew. Now, if you have a small lawn and you want a battery-powered lawnmower, that's great. And I, they've got some really nice battery-powered equipment. But I acres, and I can't. Batteries are expensive is one thing, but I'm not saying they're not worth it. And for people who don't want to drag their mower all over, uh, you know, you can get two batteries and interchange them. But, you know, I'd need like eight batteries. Oh, more than that. <laughs> Absolutely. You'd need, you'd need a trailer full of batteries. But, you know, all that's going to change and evolve as time goes on. The batteries will get stronger. And, and so be will I. Won't I change and evolve as time goes on? That's I'm right. planning to. Pretty soon you'll be able to fly over the landscape, <laughs> pointing it. down there with your finger saying, mow that. No, I don't want to do that. Okay, well, Stacy at Tyler Rental will take your call, and she'll be glad to sell you. They don't have very many of them. If you decide you want one, you better get on it right away. And uh, we did. We're thrilled with them. We buy all kinds of tools from Tyler Rental. And uh, it makes our work so much easier. So much easier. And we uh, we did this big pruning job the other day. And they have the handheld small pruners, which are like uh, dog hair shears, cutters, like a, like even a barbershop cutter, only bigger and meant for pruning shrubbery. They have one for hedges and one for small shrubs, like spireas. That's, it makes it so much easier. Sure. Uh-huh. Okay, so uh, we're going to see you sometime this afternoon. You're going to come to Landscape Alaska. I know you are, and you're going to come out and visit us. Let's look at at uh, the... Uh, it's just so pretty to be outside. Our nursery is a nice place to visit. It really, really is right now. We have some conifers that are dwarf firs and dwarf spruces. Which means, when I say dwarf, I don't mean like little knee-high shrubs. I mean, they don't get 100 feet tall. I mean, they might get 20 feet tall. Something you could have in your yard. You wouldn't plant a full-grown spruce I think that Norway spruce we have is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The blue one? Uh-huh. That has the purple. That When the new c- cones are coming, not cones, but when the new buds are coming out, they're purple on top. Uh, they're pur- the new one on the, the one we have now, uh-huh. one of those has got a big purple dome on top of it right now. Right. It's just amazing. And, and it's and, also... And, and the tree itself, even though it's a spruce, is soft to the touch. That's what I was going to say. So soft. And the fur is the same thing, but you're surprised when a spruce is so soft to touch. Mm-hmm. And there are also those columnar Norway spruces. They're beautiful, Dave. Yep, they really are. So the columnar means that they don't spread out. The branches don't grow parallel to the earth. The branches all point skyward. So it stays like a big foxtail. I was thinking that, you know, if somebody had a water feature, that would be the perfect thing to have kind of crawl up over its back. and. Uh, oh, the, the climbing, the weeping spruces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, aren't they cool? Mm-hmm, really cool. 
So anyway, um, I'm excited to go down to the Jack and see what's going on down there. Absolutely. Me too. Uh, pay attention to your rhododendrons right now and it's keep your eyes out. Good time to feed them. You have them to feed them. So right. they set their flowers for next year. The uh, rhododendron farmers say you got to feed them before the 4th of July in order to get flowers the next year. So this is just before the 4th of July. If you haven't done it yet, be the time to do it. And you want to use a granular slow-release fertilizer. And, and if you don't know what that is, come and I'll show you what it is. And you always want to rake the mulch and uh, fallen leaves away before you fertilize it. And be sure that the ground is moist water when it. you fertilize water it. Water it before and after you f- feed it. Right. And, you know, rhododendrons don't need a lot of fertilizer to stay healthy. But if you want a lot of flowers on them, that makes a world of difference. This year they've been incredibly beautiful. Haven't they, though? Mm-hmm. In the valley, you know, there's some some uh, homes that, what, 40 years ago planted a rhododendron, and they're just gigantic. Absolutely they're, gigantic. They're, they're the cast iron hybrids. Uh-huh. I was standing at the at the edge of one yesterday. And, you know, I'm six feet. I can reach to eight feet. It was another five feet above the ends of my fingers. And in full bloom. That's how they are at the park show, too. Oh, you can't see anything except flower. Right, right. Absolutely beautiful. What I was going to say, though, is if you've got rhododendrons, you know, after they flower, that's when they start to grow. And the new growth comes out. And the, uh, the nighttime beetles come up and munch on the edges of the leaves and if you've got those then give me a call because we have a nematode that'll go down in the ground underneath the plant and and hunt down the baby beetles the larvae and and eat them and that's really that's what what you want to do as a a defense mechanism And, and this nematode is a naturally occurring nematode here in southeast Alaska it's just not in as large numbers as we want so we, uh, so we were working at the bank yesterday, and they have those Yakusumena princes underneath their sign, and we were taking the brown flowers off so they'd look more attractive. But all the new growth is coming up, yeah. and it's like velvet. Oh, isn't it, though? So soft. It makes you think of asparagus. Here's a call. Uh, good morning, Conversations. Good morning. Wonder if you could talk about the uh, Canadian uh, choke cherry and why it's bad to have it in your yard. Gladly. Thank you. Okay. So the Forest Service is talking about a, uh, a statewide response. They will pay communities a, f- a sum to have a, a, a Prunus Patis uh, choke cherry eradication program. And the, the red Canadian cherry is a subset of the other kinds of choke cherries. And the worry with these trees is that they have so much fruit and it grows so easily the birds eat them and take them and drop them everywhere around the world so there are choke cherries going up and down the rivers all over in alaska and as an invasive plant that's one of the things that the uh the forest service really has taken a stand against they don't want them spreading out into the forest and it turns out that that uh that kind of choke cherry fixes uh, I think it's cyanide in the leaves and uh, young moose have been poisoned in Anchorage from eating the twigs of the choke cherries. Not many but enough to, enough that make, makes it a significant thing. So uh, we don't sell them anymore 
we don't recommend anybody planting them and we have uh cut down the ones that grow around where we're working so that's my read on that we don't want them and uh, if you want to have some identification for it, you can look it up as choke cherry or prunus patis or may tree. And there's a lot of them around Juno. I think there's a lot in Anchorage, too. Really a lot. Because they were successful. You know, they, they could grow anywhere. Right. And, and in the early days of people doing landscapes, to find something that grew and flowered. And gravel. <laughs> and gravel and, and in nasty weather and where the snow gets piled, all that stuff. You know, those are really pluses. There's a lot of things like that, you know, that, uh, <clears throat> that were popularized because they were so tough and could grow in such harsh conditions. Excuse me. <coughs> well, um... At the same time, it seems to me, and I'm only talking about perennials because I'm not a tree expert by any, any means, that some of the old varieties that we used to be able to get were so tough and hardy, and yet as they've been hybridized for color or size or whatever, the hardiness gets bred out of them, and then they start getting diseases powdery mildew black spot you know yep. I, you know i'm just saying and so um i want the old ones back some of the places that i take care of that i might have to dig some of it up and propagate it myself because uh i can't get them anymore like the boy girl plant well pulmonaria pulmonaria uh-huh we can't get the old one anymore the one that's just straight green with the blue and pink flowers well, you have the one with the spotted leaves. That's available. They, we can't get the one that's just the straight, bright blue. That's kind of a Ma- Maxfield Parish blue. That's the one I love. I don't. I don't care about pink and blue. That blue is some color, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And there are several other things that have that kind of blue. Gentian's one of them, and uh, Jacob's Ladder is one of them. There. It's really a. You can't pass by that color without noticing it. Right. But I really love that hot pink phlox, summer phlox, you know. When will that bloom? It starts in July, and it blooms with the moonshine yarrow all the way until the end of October. And how big does it get? Mm, 18 inches. Not too big. Is Doesn't it fragrant? Need... No. It's Not just, fragrant. just packed with flowers and no bugs and spread slowly with rhizomes not uh not invasive but really tough i mean i planted it at the bank 20 years ago and it's still there and it gets snow pushed on it every winter and piled up on it you know and anything that can take that you got to take your hat off to it and say i want more and do we have some (laughs) no we don't oh (laughs) we got got it in we got we could only get it in in uh purple but I don't think it's going to be as hardy as that pink one. And that's just my experience. Right. I mean, it's going to be a nice plant, blah, blah, blah. But still. Uh, and there's many. It's true of primroses all also. Kinds of all kinds of things. Uh-huh. And roses and all kinds. So we just have to keep looking. So if you were to, to uh, categorize an important task that somebody would do in their perennial garden this time of year, what would you say? feed it yeah water it and feed it you know if you feed it 
they'll outcompete your weeds. If you don't feed it, they'll they'll dwindle and get smaller and weaker. And so things like like uh, irises and foxgloves. Well, irises are now in bloom right now, and then they're not going to be. You know, I mean, the yellow ones will come on, but the purple ones and blue ones are all right now, and they should have already been fed. And I aim for the mid-season. Everybody's got spring, but most people don't have July, August, September, October. You're talking about things that bloom then? Bloom and have color and texture in the landscape. Because, and they're tough and can take all that rain in July when it comes and they don't turn brown and you don't have to go out and fuss around them. They just take care of themselves. That's what I like. I do too. As a matter of fact, the idea of having to fuss around over things makes me want to edit that out. That's one of the reasons why I love the Roseanne geranium. It's because it, it's a go-to plant. Uh-huh. And do you have any of those? I have a few. I found them. I just found them this week. As a matter of fact, I need to get in touch with Sue Mason so I can tell her. Okay. Sue, if you're listening, Margaret's got some for you. Oh, the rhododendrons look so good right now. Everything Everything. Does. We're coming to the end of our show. If you'd like to call us up and talk to us privately, you can certainly do that. You'll find our number on our website, landscapealaska.com. And, and come see us for our summer solstice sale on the Back Loop Road up above Goat Hill or go see Connor down at the Jack sale. We're going to go down there and help him set up right now. And this is Margaret and Dave signing off. We'll talk to you next week. And remember, happy gardening.